Hi there, welcome to Stoke to Be Here. My name's Laura and I'm the back half of Stella Tandem, a record-breaking attempt to cycle around the world in 2022, which is in fact this year now. We've had a bit of a hiatus um, over, over the winter months from, from podcasting, but we're, we're back to it now um, with a few more exciting guests. And um, our first one is, is Helen, who's also known as Hells on Wheels. Um, who, who describes herself as a full-time hobo since 2017, who's been cycling, well, all sorts of, of <laughs> fascinating places. Um, and I've managed just to catch her. She's um, just, I believe, switching her passport over in the UK. So w- welcome, Hells. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. No, no. As I say, I'm I'm pleased to to catch you. So, so what what is you having to get a new passport at the moment uh, between trips? Is that the the kind of stopping point, as it were? <laughs> yeah, it, um, it's it's been really nice to come home, but it was sort of initiated by the fact that I got robbed in Greece last year and I lost both my passports. The British one was really easy to replace on the road, but the Australian one takes a bit more effort. So, that kind of triggered. I think I was thinking about coming home for Christmas, but that definitely triggered, okay, I'll definitely come home and sort this thing out from uh, from the UK. So, I'm um, yeah, glad to be here. Strange reason to be here, but happy to be back fixing up passport. <laughs> I think it's a valid reason. We might come on to it a bit, but I, yeah, I believe your Australian passport will get you access to some places that, that um, UK ones weren't. So I'm sure it's worth the effort. So. <laughs> yeah. So can I do, I'll go right back to the beginning, if, if you don't mind. Have you have you always been an avid cyclist? Was it, you know, have you always been sporty growing up or or how how has this all come about, as it were? No, not even a little bit. I do remember, I think my dad teaching me to ride a bike. And then one year when I'd grown out of my child size bike, I was offered like a, as a teenager, I think my parents offered to spend a bit more on me that Christmas and buy me like a, a teenager size bike. And I said, no, I don't want to bicycle. I would like a stereo, please. So I was, yeah, absolutely not, um, not sporty or cycling grown up. Um, not until my thirties really that I started running and cycling. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's interesting because it's quite similar to me. I didn't have a, a sporty background <laughs> at school. I hated, I hated, you know, sports lessons and yeah, came to it. Yeah a bit Awful. later on <laughs> um so what what was the trigger for you what kind of what was the turning point um to, to make you get into well, cycling I suppose in particular um it's it's a little bit involved but um, <laughs> the short version is I've been living in Australia for a few years and my normal habit was to work for a couple of years and then go traveling for a year and then work for a couple of years um but while I was living in Australia I was applying for my citizenship And I'd already spent a year in South America in the previous four years. And so I wasn't able to take any more time outside of Australia while still being um, eligible for an Australian passport. So I'd been working for a couple of years, but I was ready to stop working and start traveling some more. But I was sort of stuck in Australia uh, by choice. Um, (laughs) And I'd already campervaned around Australia and I'd already sort of backpacked around Australia. so I began to wonder, there was parts that I couldn't visit in the camper van that were like too much for the, um, the old Tarago to handle. Um, and I had on my bucket, I have a, a kind of a literal bucket list on my phone of, of you know, items. 
And right next to each other was to do a long distance bike trip. And right next to it was to go and see, you know, Outback Australia, the places that the camper van hadn't gone. And so I began to wonder how I could accomplish that um, as a means to go traveling while still being in Australia. And a four wheel drive was kind of out of the question. I just didn't have the resources for that. And so I began wondering if you could um, cycle around Australia and through the deserts. And I started, started looking into it and found that that you can. I'm, I was so ignorant as, as about cycling back then, but um, had to had to Google it to see if it was even possible. And I found a really, really nice website. Um, I think it's called Cycle Trails Australia. And it has loads of incredible, like multi-week outback desert rides um, across Australia. It's um, a really, really useful resource. So that's how I came to be cycling. Um, that's how I came to be a bike tour. I don't, I don't know if I thought I would make it my entire life, but um, that's how I got starting in bike touring. Oh, wow. So that was your kind of first big trip was around these, these trails um, in Australia, was it? And was that kind of, did you get fully into it? Were you straight into camping and multi-day tours or, or did you start smaller? <laughs> no, I did it the wrong way, which was <laughs> to, um, apart from I did one overnight, as in um, me and my then boyfriend, we rode out, we camped, we rode home. And that was that was our entire. I mean, we we were riding the bikes a lot, but that was our only like overnight preparation. And then after then, that was the only preparation before we set out on what was going to be a, approaching a year's worth of cycling around Australia. Oh well, I don't think it's the wrong way to do it. I'm sure I've heard similar <laughs> stories, and yeah, I think it, it can be make or break. But I think you've yes. obviously made it, haven't you? Yeah. So. Fortunately, <laughs> I, I did take to it straight away. But um, yeah, I mean all. All literature, all like common sense on on the situation would suggest that you should probably <laughs> ease yourself into it. But fortunately for me, it was um, I was instantly taken by it. <laughs> and then you know, since then, it's 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 obviously spiraled out of all proportion. Where I think I think I've got I've, I don't know if you've got a more up to date toast than me. I've got that you've cycled sixty thousand kilometers. Yes, um, across seven continents and seventy five countries, but I'm I'm almost wondering if those numbers have gone up now. No, <laughs> you might um, be losing count. It is sixty thousand, but like the seven seven continents is not all by bicycle. I think I've only visited three continents by bicycle. But um, as a backpacker, I've I've been to all seven. I haven't cycled in Antarctica, regrettably. Maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, you've got plenty of time, and yeah, you've. You've certainly got that kind of wanderlust, haven't you? So yeah, yes, and sure. I think that's that's part of what's so fascinating about watching your travels. Um, so yeah, you've kind of and recently you've been um, kind of the Middle East and, and Europe. Um, but what does kind of day to day life look like for you now? Because yeah, it's you've obviously moved on from that first trip, and you mm. uh, up till recently were permanently kind of on the road. Yeah, so my my day to day until I assume you mean not while I'm sitting at my parents' yeah. house looking for a passport, <laughs> but um, my my day to day life prior to that um, is mostly like tracking a course. The last two years were spent tracking a course towards Istanbul, which had been my goal for about three years. Um, but generally speaking, I probably camp most of the time. Um, I was very fortunate in Turkey with hosting, um, so it's a case of of like plotting my little you know following the little route that I've plotted you know via like Lonely Planet you know suggested sort of uh, things to visit and like sort of circling a country 
depending on if I'm waiting for a border to open, I might do like a big elaborate circle of the country like I did in Bulgaria and Albania. Um, or I might just go directly through it if I'm on the way somewhere else. But I, I try not to be in a rush these days. I try to, especially now it's such a, such a frustration like crossing a border. When I've crossed a border, I try to make the absolute most of being in that country, sort of maximize my time there according to my visa and do big loops to see everything that I can see and, and hopefully feel comfortable with everything that I've been able to visit before moving on to the next one. So that's that's how I sort of spend my day is, is popping from Lonely Planet reference to Lonely Planet <laughs> reference as I cross a country. Yeah, and is, is that all kind of quite organic? Is that kind of literally your, you know, you pick some ride to it or do you use any kind of planning, anything more involved? Because you, you, it's, it's really interesting to see you, you take in so much of the culture, which is something I'm acutely aware that we won't have any time to do. Um, you see so many interesting monuments, parks and, and, and bits and pieces. Um, is it literally just picking off those and are you purposely trying to factor those in then? Yeah, 100 percent. So what I'm doing at the moment while I, I'm not cycling is I'm sort of going through the guidebooks for the countries that I plan to visit this year and um, the online versions of it and sort of copy pasting the stuff that I want to see over onto Maps Me so that I can do all of this like offline when it comes to it next year. And by doing that, I can kind of see where things cluster, like where my little pins in the map sort of cluster. So I know that oh, I absolutely have to go to this city. Or there's a few things like out east in Iran, say, which look amazing, but absolutely cannot be accomplished by me on a bicycle in three months, for example. So I have to sort it's like a heat map. I can kind of see where all the pins are and sort of pick my route through the country according to where I want to visit and according to how many days I, I can spend in the country. So that's all oh, taking wow. place right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because yeah, there's there's definite um, advantages to having a, an idea of what's happening before you you get out there. Yeah, and and then how easy is it? Because so it's fairly organic. I mean, are you planning somewhere where you're going to stop every night in advance, or or is that just a, a kind of a see what happens as well? I mean, in Europe, my impression is that there's usually going to be some you know either somewhere where you can camp or a hotel. Um, but how much? kind of structure you're having to put into that so in western europe um especially when it's sort of uh the colder seasons i would definitely be writing to warm showers and um, host in advance and sort of locking something in and so then i would have like a time and a date and once you've got a time and a date for wednesday say you can sort of predict where you're going to be on thursday but um in the more remote areas like um lebanon and parts of turkey for example um there's uh, fewer hosts and so when I'm choosing where I'm going to be, it's just a case of I'm going to be camping. So I can look at the map and reasonably think, well, I'm I'm going to leave at this time. I'm going to go and see that particular tourist item. And probably I'll be ready to camp in about 60 kilometers. And so I'll sort of look at the map and find somewhere that I think is going to be uh, a good place to camp. That's going to, that I'm going to be able to reach in a reasonable time. But yeah, that, that side of things I'll I'll work out day by day. Yeah, good. That's yeah, and that's really interesting to know because I'm I'm starting to get into like the real nitty gritty of our route, and I'm kind of acutely aware that I could spend hundreds and hundreds of hours picking our part, route apart and trying to figure out a stop for every night. But at at the same time, I think I think just trying to wing it might be less beneficial as well. So I'm I'm trying to kind of get some structure in place but keep our options open too so yeah no it's, it's interesting to hear how you're doing it well you, yeah if you've got a deadline to reach then I can see if you've got like a we must do like a minimum number of kilometers then mm. 
you'll be more able to sort of plan ahead um, and pick a spot. Whereas in my case, more often than not, if I don't make the 60 kilometers, I think I'm going to make, I'm comfortable stopping after 40 kilometers, say. But um, yeah, maybe you'll have like a minimum requirement for yourselves. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we're working in, in, in good old miles. So oh, but, sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, no, 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 not at all. Um, I, I'm trying to quickly do the conversion ahead, <laughs> but I think we'll be somewhere between like 110 and 115 a day, um, <laughs> dependent. Yeah, so it's quite solid days. Yeah, unfortunately, we won't be doing any sightseeing. But I think, you know, it'll be a similar kind of concept to you that, yeah, at least if we can look at roughly where we're going to be and yeah we can you know we might have some longer days and some shorter days but it, um, particularly in, in some of the more remote areas or places where there's less less going on it it um it'll be a good to have an idea of where to, to stop and yeah. um one of the other similarities as well is you're obviously doing a lot of wild camping along the way too you, you've got a full uh, kind of camping setup and you've got some tremendous photos of, of some of your, your campsites but how easy has, has that been in terms of finding places to wild camp um, and you know are there any places where it, it's not been possible or it's 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 been kind of I suppose frowned upon more um, or you know what are you what are your top tips essentially yeah I think um, I mean obviously like in the more like rural areas you can almost drop your tent anywhere and um, the problem I remember it being very difficult on like um I think it was the Amalfi coast in in Italy I think somebody told me that you can't it's impossible to do it there so that just made me <laughs> want to find a place to do it and I did manage to but obviously in the built-up areas um it's it's a lot uh riskier behavior and it's a lot harder as well I think I camped on like in like a hotel car park um and uh, the security guard came out and was very kind to me. <laughs> Told me that I needed to, like, I could still camp in this car park, but I just needed to move out of the way. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that again. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but again, by looking at the map, you can kind of see if you're just looking at, like, um, a big empty stretch of beach, you know, for 100 kilometres, then really you, you don't need to put any further research into where you're going to camp that night. But um, otherwise, I'll always try and you know get on the other side of a town make sure I'm between towns in the you know a quieter area and hopefully where nobody knows that I'm there but that's not always uh, possible no no certainly and it is there's a fine art to it isn't there and a, a very specific question um just for your own personal <laughs> benefit on that is um I was chatting just before and you, I'd noticed you'd done kind of the coastal route of, of Wales and we're um considering a circumnavigation of, of Wales as our kind of big last training ride were you were you wild camping then because I know the UK I feel is is probably um one of the trickier countries to wild camp in um and if if you were kind of how did that go or, or was it a case of finding official campsites or B&Bs etc in Wales I was there I was there in late February early March of ah. <laughs> 2019 it's whenever like the beast from the east came through so I think four years ago whatever that was and so with the, <laughs> when I set off again from my parents house then in the West Midlands and we saw that the storm was coming and I just thought um again naively I just thought oh well if I get to the coast it never snows on the coast in the UK so that would be fine but um yeah I got absolutely dumped on and I got um but Again, because I knew that this weather was coming, I'd lined up, you know, several days ahead of Warm Showers hosts who welcomed me in the snow. 
um, including the Mahojos, whose podcast I was also on as well. Um, we're still in touch like four years later after they rescued me from the snow. And oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I stayed in, in a listed building and then we really got snowed in. And so I was I was invited to stay. I had my own little cottage in this listed building in Wales um, and all the pipes were frozen. So I had to go and get water from the snow to uh, to make on the stove. But um, yeah, so fortunately, I wasn't wild camping in Wales in in March of 2018. Yeah, it was mostly warm shower hosts. Yeah, I don't blame you. That would have been that would have been an epic effort. Absolutely, <laughs> we should be going in April, but um, given the conditions last April, I, th- I, th- I think yeah, that, that could be a brave move even still. You can't, so. you can't pick it. it. Might be glorious. Yeah, just don't know. It, it, it could be one or the other. Um, we um, we did a, a longish ride last May where um, we got hailed and snowed on. So <laughs> I'm reserving judgment on the weather till nearer the time. Yeah. Um, but it could be glorious sunshine. You're quite right. You never know. <laughs> and and then, um, you know, most places you seem to be fairly kind of well supplied and, you know, you, you're obviously going past tourist places, towns that there's facilities. But uh, have you are you ever having to plan where you're picking up provisions, you know, even just water or food along the route? And have you had situations where you're down to your last pack of noodles and things like that? Or or have you kind of managed to stay close enough that you've always managed to, to kind of find somewhere to, to pick up food? It has begun to catch me out as I've moved east through Europe and um, in Western Europe. Yeah, I mean every few kilometers you've got another little village or a a town or whatever I was caught out I remember in Macedonia at the start of last year because I was having to zoom across the country back in this period there's only one PCR testing place in the country if you can believe that and so I had to cross the country to get a PCR test and then cross back to go to the border so obviously there was a bit of a time frame involved in doing that so I was on the highways to keep it quick and simple and I completely overlooked the fact that there's no you know, there isn't a little village every 20 kilometers when you're on a highway. So I did find myself without food and water that day. Um, but otherwise, I think really just if I if I'm on a highway for whatever reason, it's the only time that I've been I've been left a little bit, you know, hungry or thirsty. Um, but I will need to start paying more attention to that, you know, once I start or as I continue to, to ride in more remote places. Obviously, I, I have done it before, so I know what's involved, uh, you know, in Australia, but um, I need to get back into that routine again as I go further east. Yeah, and it's something that we're kind of aware we need to keep a, a watch on because um, the speed or distances we're traveling, we've not necessarily got the time to deviate much from our route. So oh, yeah. um, it's it's something that I'm even more kind of keenly aware of, but it's good to get a, an idea and a, and a feel for these sort of things. And yeah, yeah for example, we'll be we'll be going through the, the, the infamous Nullarbor Plain. So I'm, uh, I'm already <laughs> looking and mapping things out there. Yeah, I do remember um, you can find, I'm sure you've already uh, found where you can access um, water sources. Certainly I um, I found some online resource for finding water on the Tanami track. And probably the same thing exists apart from like petrol stations, if there's, you know, the big um, water tanks and, you know, they'll be marked on the map. So you can work out how many hundred, kilometers or miles you have to go but um yeah that would be great fun on the Nullarbor you, you'll be going yeah east to west or west to east um we're going west to east so yeah um Perth to Brisbane yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey amazing yeah so no it will be but yeah no I'm, and yeah I've just started looking so yeah I've, I've started kind of google mapping and things like that but yeah I'm sure there are 
um, resources out there and have heard all about the big water tanks and everything. So and also kind of getting from place quite busy as well, like just with traffic. So you're never you're never going to mm. drive test on the Nullarbor. Like there will be lots of people driving, so you can always flag somebody down if you literally do run out. And the Australian drivers are just the best when it comes to looking after cyclists. So you don't have to worry about going thirsty on the Nullarbor. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's bad. Go on. And then do you have any kind of favourite cuisine or, or snacks on the road? So I think you do a little bit of kind of cooking yourself and things like that. What's what's kind of your, your favourite things well, to pick up? I don't I don't cook anything. <laughs> I'm so late. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I just use my stove for coffee, really. But um, in the Balkans, I was eating a burek a day easily comfortably oh wow oh, so good so good I miss it so much um but yeah that's I mean that's obviously amazing sort of calories in terms of cheese and pastry and yeah delicious um and salt when you're getting sweaty but no I don't really cook but as I go further east I've been able to sort of I've been able to eat a bigger range of foods because I've been able to you know, I've been able to afford a bigger range of stuff in Western Europe, in Scandinavia. A lot of it was just, you know, cheese sandwiches because that's what my budget ran to. But as I go further east, then I can start, um, you know, eating in restaurants and buying more expensive stuff in the supermarket. So I've been able to, um, which is great timing because obviously the food is getting pretty delicious as I go um, further east. As well. <laughs> and then kind of an, another aspect of your um, your travels has been your, well, your, your Instagram, but then um, your YouTube as well, which... Um, are both absolutely fascinating to, to follow and to watch. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> well, you've you've got a, a massive following, and I think you know it just shows that the interest that people have in, in these sort of travels. Um, and I was as far as find you're doing most of that just on your iPhone, aren't you? All of it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is how I sort of um, excuse the sort of wobbly quality of it. Um, yeah, it's all on the iPhone. I think um, I am saving up for a GoPro because there's a lot of times where I'd like to sort of film something that I'm having to do two handed, for example. And it's yeah, I wish I could have a, you know, a camera strapped to my forehead or whatever. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it's just all on the iPhone for now. Yeah, well, and and all the editing as well, which I, th I think is amazing. And, uh, you know, I was looking into ways of, of editing from my phone around the world. And I've, I've just kind of resigned myself to the fact that that might just be one, one more job too far as much as. We're, we're hoping to um, get footage. And have you found there's um, particular, you know, shots or particular videos that people have responded well to? Yes. Have you developed things along the way? Yeah, it's a mystery to me. I was talking about this recently. Sometimes I can put what I consider the most boring, rubbishy, not even well-composed, boring photo up. But if it's of a... a a bicycle in a tent just in any situation then that that gets way more likes than what I consider like a beautifully composed shot of something other than like um sometimes with or without the bicycle but sometimes like mostly without a tent it will do far far less well so I mean obviously it's a bicycle touring blog so I shouldn't be surprised that people click like on you know bicycles and tents but really I'm I'm staggered there's a couple of photos in particular that I'm almost ashamed I'm borderline ashamed of and they've got like <laughs> likes and I'm just like why did you like that photo it's terrible um but yeah that's yeah bikes and tents <laughs> 
it's that's <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm probably one of those people that I've just got to see a bike in a tent and I just automatically <laughs> like the photo just because those two items are in the photo uh, no um yeah and it's it's great to see and it's um it, you know it's quite inspiring I think a prompt for us as well to try and capture as much of our travels too because um yeah I think people love living like vicarious life through um through the photos and through the YouTube and, and everything as well yeah. Um, so yeah you know it's it's great that you're putting all that content out there um, and did you I mean did you ever expect this following to grow was it ever something that you yeah because you, you have a patreon now where people can subscribe and and kind of donate and and everything too but has it did it almost kind of catch you by surprise or was it something that you thought right I'm going to kind of push push to build this I don't think so I think um, I think the boyfriend I had at the time was more sort of motivated by that. But there is I do have um, I have a sales background, so I'm a bit numbers driven, which is probably I mean, that's obviously what uh, what social media plays off is our desire for like, you know, the sort of numerical rewards. So that probably plays into it a little bit. But um, no, I mean, I don't remember why I when I opened the Instagram account. Um after that actually Instagram came after I'd cycled around Australia so that's not even on Instagram that was just on Facebook back then and then um so I don't know why I switched to Instagram or turned Instagram on as well and then YouTube um has only been in the last year or so because people people began asking me what my YouTube channel was and I didn't have one so I thought oh maybe I should <laughs> maybe I should have one um yeah, so that, I don't know, I think I'm motivated a little bit by um, feeling, you know what, I do, I do get a sort of sense of feeling like a, like a proper bicycle tourer if, if I, I'm numerically recognised on social media as a proper bicycle tourer, that's pathetic, isn't it? But yeah, there is some level of that. No, no, definitely. I, I completely get where you're coming from. And, I, you know, I, I certainly get a buzz if I post something and, and suddenly loads of likes on it or loads of people watching and <laughs> my biggest one see particularly if I've failed at something yeah. <laughs> or something's gone wrong and I've gone oh this has just happened and I've had to scrape myself off or this hasn't gone to plan and, and then everybody piles in yeah. and comments and likes oh and, for sure you know if I've had a if I've had, a, had a, an amazing ride or you know done really well and it's sun shining everybody's like oh yeah she, there she goes again riding a bike yeah that's human <laughs> nature isn't it people like yeah. to hear about the, the grubby stuff of traveling they don't want to hear what a lovely time you're having no no but it's it's great and yeah no I, I can see I've, I've been watching kind of our social media numbers as well and the much as it's not the be all and the end all for us um it's it's nice to see them growing steadily um and uh, until I realized a friend's dog has got twice the amount that we've, we've got <laughs> despite me pushing it yeah <laughs> but at the moment arguably you know our content is is, is not as interesting as it will be in in six months time so oh for sure it's about to get super exciting <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so it's all good and yeah I'll, I'll certainly be um scrolling through all yours but for more inspiration and and as well how have you managed in terms of kind of um you know it, it must take quite a lot of internet to get everything uploaded um how do you manage in terms of wi-fi is that just literally finding coffee shops or, or places that have free wi-fi um yeah do you have any do you pick up sim cards how do how are you doing how are you managing that so almost exclusively i've just uh, managed off free wi-fi across europe and 
Um, in Australia, I guess I yeah I had the then boyfriend with me. I think he had a functioning phone, but then of course in Australia, a lot of the times you're not even in phone reception anyway. But no, I I've never bought a local SIM until Lebanon. And even then, I don't know if I actually would have needed it in the end. I bought it because in advance, I knew that they were only receiving, you know, two hours of government electricity a day. And so without electricity, there's no, you know, Wi-Fi. Um, so I picked up the SIM card. But actually, I think that there was, I could have managed without realistically. And actually, I quite like the schedule of not having internet access and then spending a specific two hours of my day, do all my internet things, and then... I don't have the distraction anymore. I'm just, you know, I, I log on, I do everything I need to do. I log off and then there's no sort of interference or distractions or little notifications or anything else. Um, so I quite like that model, but I also understand that I'm probably going to have to start picking up SIM cards. Yeah, it's something that I've been trying to trying to suss out too. I think it's a bit hard hard to predict and it might be a case of, of, of kind of seeing how it pans out on the road a bit too. Um that yeah hopefully you know there's there's a lot of wi-fi out there so hopefully you can find enough to keep everybody updated <laughs> it's a completely different world from you know been reading about kind of mark beaumont and things like that especially his, his first trip it's you know the world is is a much smaller place in a lot of ways so oh for sure it's it's, it's still amusing to me when i see like every now and then um perhaps in like turkey or lebanon you can see like an old faded sign for like um like a i can't even remember what they're called like an internet What's it called when you used to go to a shop to use the internet? Like like an a, internet cafe. Yeah, an internet, <laughs> like faded signs for internet cafes. Yeah, and um, yeah, they're just they're just not. Yeah, they they've gone away now mostly. So yeah, you're obviously in your, your small hiatus at the moment, and um, I did I did see post recently. You've got kind of two options of option A and option B of where you're going next. Yeah. Um, one which looked to be kind of a. Um, well, I think it's around Ireland first and then parts of Africa, Northern Africa, which looked pretty exciting, or it was kind of more based around the Middle East. Um, have you have you come to a set plan or are you still weighing up your options? No, I definitely um, I definitely favour the um, the Middle Eastern route, but that all comes down to like. So when I was when I was originally planning my trip at the time, Iran had had temporarily reclosed after reopening last year. Um, and they have since re-reopened, but um, at the time I was making a plan B um, in the event that they didn't open, but also I still have to apply for the visa. So when I was only on a British passport, they, they did knock me back for a, a visa application 10, 15 years ago. So I, I, am, I am nervous about if I, now I'll be applying with my Australian passport, which is what the holdup is right now. Um, so I don't know if um, if they're going to connect the two and, and see that I was rejected as a Brit 10, 15 years ago, or if I'm just going to appear on their system as a brand new Australian trying to go there. So um, that's why I still have like the two plans. It all really um, comes down to if I get that visa or not. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, I was going to say, you, you know, I looked into it because um, the reports that I heard of cycling through around, particularly from people like Emily Chappell, um, it just it just sounded tremendous. And I was really determined for a while. And then. I just came to the understanding, yeah, it was there was no way it's going to happen with a UK passport. Um, so yeah, you're really lucky that you've got that option. I really hope it, it comes off for you because it sounds like a fantastic place to to experience as a, as a cycle. Yeah, every cycle tourist that's been to Iran will will almost certainly pick Iran as their favourite 
country to, to cycle in. So, yeah, I'll try not to be too disappointed if, uh, but that's why I've got Plan B, which I'm very excited about. So if if I don't if I don't get the visa, I've still got a really exciting year ahead of me anyway. Yeah, definitely. And and then another thing I noticed was, uh, I think it was quite a while back now, so I hope you remember that you were talking about having a 10-year plan at one point of, of everywhere you wanted to go. And I appreciate this. <laughs> this may have, have obviously changed several times since. And um, I think COVID's made us a, a little bit warier of um, <laughs> making long-term plans. But do, do you still have your kind of long wish list of, of places to go and places to see? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So whatever happens this year, I still am sort of on my way to Africa. And then um, the idea is to cycle down the east side of Africa and then up the western side. And that's that's comfortably two or three years, I think, if I want to take my time about it. And then yeah. I would love to cycle the Pamir Highway back towards Australia, maybe. Um, I haven't been to um, you know Pakistan or Bangladesh or Bhutan would be amazing um I'd like to cycle in South America I have been to South America as a backpacker but I'd love to cycle there so I mean there's an endless list of places I can I can I can list as many places I want to travel as I've probably got you know fit years ahead of me so yeah there's no trouble lining up countries into a 10-year plan for me oh well, that's a fantastic concept to have isn't it and, uh, yeah a lot to look forward to I think mm -hmm. is there anywhere that you you don't fancy going <laughs> is there anywhere that you <laughs> I recently, I recently rewatched um, the Long Way Round, the um, the motorcycle, Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman oh, motorcycle, yeah, yeah. and they were motorbiking through uh, Mongolia and Russia. And just watching that, I thought, yeah, <laughs> zero ambition to go and cycle <laughs> in Mongolia and Russia. I've been lucky enough to visit both a little bit, um, but absolutely no ambition to cycle there too oh, too much bad weather and, and awful roads for my liking yeah i have i've heard some people rant about mongolia but i must admit russia was yeah um and that's the you know that's one of the main round the world routes but we just felt that it wouldn't well as well as not being particularly appealing we felt it wouldn't be safe enough on the, the roads we'd need to use to to you know go directionally quickly yeah the, so. the distances are just bonkers in Russia like I can't even <laughs> comprehend it I think we'd be there for the best part of the first two months <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah we've, we've taken a slightly more convoluted route but we'll see we'll see it's still all there a bit up in the air as yet as is everything Oh, that's that's amazing yeah and i i yeah certainly hope to to see where where you go over the the coming years and yeah i think you'll be be on the road for for a very long time yeah i hope so um just before we we finish everything off um i have got some tandem trivia for you if that's okay yes um <laughs> so starting off have you have you ever ridden a tandem yes um ah, amazing. A, a couple actually if if a four-person bicycle qualifies if that counts as a tandem then i've i've had to go i suspect it's got a different name because yeah. a, a three is a triplet oh it was quadruplet okay i should know this <laughs> well i had to go on one of them i had a warm showers host in sweden and uh they're a four-person family and they they have like two teenage boys and for like the longest time they've gone on family holidays together, all four of them on this one bicycle. So I had a little play on that with them, with three of them. And then I had another warm chairs host who I think was in Germany and I had a go on his 
sort of semi-recumbent tandem? Oh, amazing. And um, sometimes they're called pinos. Okay. Um, I think that's when the, they're, well, those are the ones where you're recumbent at the front and there's somebody um, upright at the back. Yeah, but, but there's I think... quite a few variations. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was sitting upright and I was recumbent, but I was behind him. No, how can that be? Maybe he was recumbent as well. I just, I was definitely rec recumbent because I was really close to the ground, like horrifyingly close to the ground as we sort of like <laughs> zipped down this hill around the corners. Um, and I, I definitely must have been at the back because I couldn't see what was happening in front of me. I just had his shoulders in front of me. So perhaps he was recumbent too. But yeah, that was, that was horrifying. It was, it was so scary, so fast. I was so close to the ground. I couldn't see what was going on. I'd barely met this man as well. He was my warm shower host, so I didn't even know if he was any good on the bicycle. Um, but yeah, that was that's about it. Yeah, yeah. good fun. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's bad enough um, not being able to see um, from a normal seat. Never mind being yeah that low down. Yeah, and there's um there's another version as well that's particularly mad. But I think it, it, there's a, a upright like normal rider on the front, and then I think the back's recumbent but it's facing the other way so uh, therefore traveling backwards too no it's definitely traveling i don't forward. fancy that <laughs> no. <laughs> no yeah no way <laughs> um and 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 then if you um if you could choose a, a tandem partner to to ride with on any sort of tandem you like um uh, it could be anybody it could be anybody alive or dead it could be somebody fictional even who who would you put on your tandem with you been thinking about this and I've chosen Devla Murphy I think she would be <laughs> she would yeah she would blow my mind I'd love to meet her in any case and she would she would definitely yeah. toughen me up when I was feeling a little bit um a little bit pathetic or cold or tired or something I think she'd be the best inspiration yeah. to travel although both of us are you know are solo travelers so I don't know how long well she's traveled with her daughter as well though but yeah I think we could get on yeah. for like a medium-sized trip yeah, yeah, you don't need to go far. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's good for a chat as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. And and do you think you'd be on the front or the back? Well, I guess she's in her nineties now, so I should probably I should probably take the. Is it called the pilot at the front? Yeah, pilot captain. Yeah, I should probably I should probably pilot and let her be stoker. Yeah, fair enough. Very good. <laughs> Um, and then we often say we're, we're joined at the frame. Um, is there anything you're kind of joined at the frame to for your bike rides? Is there anything, any kind of creature comfort or anything that you, you take with you that you couldn't do without? It could be a bit of kit, it could be a bit of clothing, food. Um, is there anything particularly you like to have with you? I don't know. Like I am, I mean, dangerously attached to my phone, but does that count as luxury anymore? Is that, a, do we count that as essential these days? Oh yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because yeah, with you know, without without these little <laughs> computers in our pocket, it's it yeah. make it riding a very big different, different yeah. kettle of fish, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. um yeah, it's my navigation, it's communication, it's it's the camera, it's so yeah, that's that's my vital a vital piece of equipment if if that counts as a luxury these days. Yeah, well, maybe not a luxury, but it's certainly vital. So yeah, yeah I think we can we can definitely take that. Um and then last but not least, um, why should we cycle around the world on a tandem bicycle together and break the world record? Well, I've been thinking about this also, and I think you just, you can't not do it now because it's in your head. And now it will always be in your head of the thing that you were going to do. And so you can't spend, you can't spend the rest of your days wondering about the thing that you were going to do because it's already, 
it's already manifest in in your aspiration so I think it's impossible for you to not do it now <laughs> yeah I, I think I think so too I don't think we could ever just just up and walk away from this now yeah. and yeah seeing seeing travelers like you I think you know it's obviously it's the big challenge as well but I think the kind of the um input that that travels like yours have that's what gives us a real excitement about it and and you know I think you'll agree that seeing the world at the speed of a bicycle is just such an enormous thing and a massive privilege and yeah. so exciting yeah that yeah um we, we can't wait it's yeah it's uh, and a thrilling thing to be able to do to to travel at a bicycle speed although your bicycle speed is significantly faster than my bicycle speed yeah it's a phenomenal thing and yeah you're gonna have the the absolute best time doing it uh, well thank you so so much for for coming on hells and um yeah as i say we we'll, can't wait to see you get back on the road and and yeah hopefully we'll, we'll still have time to be be following you when we're off on our journey too so all being well yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you and good luck thanks so much you too <laughs>